you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. Week to week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure that is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. Let's worship the name of Jesus a little bit longer tonight. Come on, I think it'd be appropriate if we just took a moment and recognized the presence of the King of Kings and the presence of the Lord of Lords. We love you, Jesus. Come on, let's not take this for granted. We're in the presence of God. When we lift up our hands together, when we worship the name of Jesus together, His Spirit comes and meets us. I don't know about you, I don't want to make it just another Wednesday night tonight. I don't want to make it just another service tonight. I don't want to just punch in and punch out, but I want to honor the presence of my King and my Savior and my Lord and my God. Oh, do you love Jesus? Come on, does anybody love the name of Jesus? There is deliverance, there is healing, there is redemption, and there is salvation in the name of Jesus. I'm so glad I know him. I'm so glad to be a part of this church. I'm so glad to be here on a Wednesday night. So thankful for what I feel. Didn't this praise team do an excellent job tonight? Amen. They always do a great job. We we really... It'd be so easy to take for granted everything we have as a church. But travel around for a little while, visit a few other churches, and you'll know we are truly, truly, truly blessed. I know it's a Wednesday night, but I do feel like I have a word from the Lord for us. And I promise to do my best to not keep you too long tonight. I promise to... Um, do my best to keep it short, but I do want to deliver what I feel like the Lord has laid in my heart, and and I just pray that I'm able to help somebody and encourage somebody because it encouraged me as I was reading through these many of these well-known scriptures that we're going to be going through tonight. But first, I do want to give honor to um, our pastoral staff, our leadership team, Pastor Danny, Pastor Brandon. I want to thank you all for all that you do. I want to thank my beautiful wife for all that she does and give honor to her. And I want to thank my pastor for asking me to speak tonight. Um, the ability to come in and pinch hit, not something I, I ever take for granted. Uh, but I'm, I'm thankful for the opportunity to bring the word of the Lord to you tonight. Let's go to the book of Romans chapter 8, verse number 28. Romans chapter 8, verse number 28. And then we're going to read in the book of Proverbs chapter 3. But Romans 8 and 28 says, and we know that all things, everybody say all things, that means just the things that I like, right? Just the things that feel good? No, that means all things work together for good to them that love God, to them 
who are the called according to his purpose. Proverbs 3 and 5 and then verse 6 tells us to trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. But in all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. I want to talk to you tonight, just a simple two-word message. Just trust. Just trust. Let's put our Bibles down. Let's lift our hands. Lord, we love you tonight. We thank you for your spirit, your presence that we already feel in this room. God, we thank you for everything you do for us. We thank you for your steadfast love, mercy, and grace. Without which, God, none of us would be able to stand in your presence. But, God, you saw fit to call us your sons and your daughters, God. And we're so thankful. Lord, I pray tonight that your word would speak to us, that I would hide behind you, and that you would encourage somebody tonight, God, that you would speak to someone's heart. And I thank you, and I'll be careful to give you glory, honor, and praise in Jesus' name. And God bless you as you're seated. So everyone comes to life with a worldview. There is a several, there, there's a litany of several political worldviews. There are worldviews that are pertaining to a certain culture or a certain uh, country that you live in or a geographical region. But of course, we want to come to life with the Christian worldview. We are, after all, Christians. We're followers of Christ. We're disciples of the Lord Jesus. The author James Sire describes the Christian worldview very succinctly and I think very effectively when he simply states that the Christian worldview is God is God and I am not. God is God and I am not. Truly a simple yet profound statement. God is God and I am not. If we can wrap our minds around this statement tonight, then we can understand that we don't have to have all the answers. There's a certain freedom of releasing the need to know it all. The need to have it all figured out. The need to understand what comes next. Because we may not know what tomorrow holds, as the saying goes, but we do know who holds tomorrow. But the scripture teaches that faith is more about what we do and who we are than about what we proclaim and what we say. When we look at where various denominations begin to break off from the first church in the fourth century and we, and we look at uh, the, the different directions that it went in the different heresies that began to take place and the different things that were outside of what the church was um, built upon, that was outside of the doctrine of the apostles. When we began to divert from that, it's because we began to take more of a stance about what we say. They began to develop something called creeds, and, and all of a sudden, uh, the creed began to replace some of the other actions that the Christian church would implement. For example, uh, there came a point in history where it was more important 
what you professed as a creed than how you were baptized. That it was more important what you professed as a creed than how you practiced the salvation message of the Bible. But Christianity was never really supposed to be about what we say as much, and we are to proclaim the truth of God, but it was never meant to be about more of what we say versus what we actually do. That's why James says that we, or, or John says that we deceive ourselves if we become hearers of the word, but not doers. But we are to be both hearers and doers of the word. You and I can say that we believe in the sovereignty of God. You and I can say that we believe that God is sovereign. In other words, God is God and, and I am not. You and I can say that we believe in the Christian worldview and we believe that God is the Lord of our life. We can probably quote the scriptures that we started with tonight. Proverbs chapter 3, 5 through 6 was one of the first scriptures I ever learned in Sunday school. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lead not into thine own understanding in all thy ways. Acknowledge him and he shall direct thy path. However, Maybe it's just me, but sometimes my actions tend to indicate that I'm not as comfortable trusting the unseen hand of God as I should be. My words are there because I know what I mentally believe and I know what I know to be true. But if I'm not careful, there are times when I have to actually trust God and I find myself having a hard time with it. It seems embedded in many of us the need to be in control. I tend to be a bit of a control freak. You probably have that tendency as well, at least most of us in here. Here's a test. If, you, if you're going to disagree with me, if you don't believe me, here's a test. Just imagine that you're on a long trip with your spouse behind the wheel. Some of you are shaking your head, elbowing each other. My wife is the best passenger driver that I have ever met in my life. She got her passenger driver's license before she got her regular driver's license. And she always seems to know exactly what I'm thinking and exactly what the other cars are thinking. And she has no problem telling me. In fact, one of the things she often does is gasp out of nowhere when I'm just driving along. Nothing seems out of the ordinary to me. And it's because she thought something was going to happen that wasn't going to happen. Now, now why, why, and I do the same thing to her. Why do we freak out the way we do when we're the passenger of a car compared to the driver? Because we're not in control of that vehicle. And we understand that, that we can't read somebody else's thoughts. And if and we're afraid that if they're not thinking what we're thinking, that we, we can't really trust them to get us to where we need to go safely. But we treat God that way sometimes. Because he tends to take the car in a direction that we don't really like. It doesn't really feel comfortable. It doesn't, doesn't really feel good to us. And we tend to forget the fact that we've been in his hands all along. It's like those bumper stickers that say, Jesus is my co-pilot. Jesus should not be our co-pilot. He should be our pilot. And we should have our hands off. After all, he's been at it for a long time. 
He kind of, I, th- I think he knows what he's doing, right? I, I, I think he's been God a lot longer than I've been Justin. And after I'm done being Justin and I, I go back to the earth and my, my spirit goes back to God who gave it, he's going to continue to be God. He's going to continue to be on the throne. When we're all together for the millennial reign, when we're all together in heaven, he's still going to be God. He's still going to be on the throne, and he's always been on the throne. But we would like it if he steered our life in a direction that avoided trials and hardships. You're quiet on me. Jesus said this, that in the world you will, somebody say I will, have much tribulation. How's that for a promise of God? You can stand on that just as strong as you can stand on repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. You can stand on that just as much as you can stand on, on I know in whom I have believed and am persuaded that he's faithful and able to see me through. You can stand on that as a promise of God. In the world, you will have much tribulation. Just curious, is there anyone in the house tonight that has managed to escape Hard times for as long as you've been living for God. Ah, I didn't think so. But when we get there, when we get to the trial, when we get to the storm, it tends that we begin to want to take control of the wheel instead of just trusting that God's got it all figured out and that God already knows what he's doing and that God is going to make a way for me. Jesus also said, be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. As I was praying over what to teach or preach or whatever tonight, the Spirit kept bringing me back to the same theme in in my spirit. I kept feeling God say, let them know that my hand is still on their life. I don't know what you came in here facing tonight, but by the end of this, I, wanna, I want you to leave this place convinced that the hand of God is on your life. You are not just floatlessly hope, you're not just hopelessly, well, floatlessly hoping, hopelessly floating through space. You're not just hopelessly passing through your life and God being some casual observer standing back and being entertained by what you're doing. God is involved in the intricate details of everything that you're going through at this moment. And so what have we got to learn to do? Just trust. Just trust in the Lord. I I don't know about you, but 2022, we're about halfway through it, has not been the easiest year of my life. Maybe some of you could say it has. I'm, I'm grateful, man. I'm rejoicing with you. But for me, 2022 has been a year where I've been tremendously blessed, but I've also seen quite a bit of, 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 of hardship. I've seen the hand of God, but I've also gone through a lot of things this year that I've had to overcome that I never thought I was going to have to overcome. And I've dealt in my spirit with a constant struggle because every time we go through something, understand that God is trying to tell us where we're at in our spirit. Because when God makes a promise, he makes a promise based on the fact that you're going to trust him to allow it to bring it to pass. And when God makes a promise to us, he sees where we're going to be. But really, 
we still have an obligation when there is a promise that is made over our life. And that obligation is to get ourselves in a place where we are sensitive enough to the moving of God's spirit that we can receive it when it comes time for God to give it to us. And so I've dealt, and what I've found and what I've learned through some of the trials that I've been through is that I have this very independent streak in me. I have this tendency to, as soon as things begin to happen out of my control, immediately rush to figure out, immediately fret, immediately begin worrying, immediately begin rush to figure out what can I do to get myself out of this situation. And I comfort myself by telling myself, Well, God helps those that help themselves. There may be a little bit of truth to that, but that's nowhere in your Bible. In fact, the Bible talks about God helping those who cannot help themselves. The Bible talks about God helping those who cry to him in brokenness and in sincerity of heart and say, Lord, I ain't got nowhere else to go. That tends to be when God begins to move. But we want to be so strong. We want to be so independent that sometimes we actually take ourselves out of the process that God is trying to perfect in us and perfect in our life. Someone say amen. So let me just remind somebody tonight that he cares about you. We do live in an extremely individualistic and independent society. And in that context, I believe that our idea of what it truly means to trust God And the biblical truth about trusting God can often be in conflict. They're often in conflict because what happens is, and again, maybe it's just me, but I have the tendency to go to God and say, God, here are my plans. What do you think of them? Why don't you go ahead and bless them? Here, I I, I don't need you to to give me direction. I'm pretty smart. I've been living for God for a good amount of time. I, I, I know what the word says. So here's my plans. Why don't you go ahead and bless them for me? But what God wants us to do is go to him and say, here's my plans. I lay them at your feet. I humble myself before you. I seek your face because you know so much better than I know. Trusting God is saying, these are my plans But you do whatever you want with them. You do whatever you want with my life. And so I've come tonight with a simple message for anyone that, like me, is facing storms and trials. Anyone who's going through a valley. And that message is simply just trust. Just trust in God. But, Brother Justin, you don't know what I'm going through. Just trust. When you've got more bills than money, just trust. Trust. When you're fighting a battle of depression and you can't seem to get out of your own thoughts and out of your own mind, just trust. When you're doing everything you can to try to do what God has called you to do and it seems like you're not getting anywhere, just trust. When you feel like no one understands you, just trust. Trust when you feel like you're all alone. Just trust. We have a high priest who is touched with the feelings of our infirmities. God knows what you're going through tonight. God understands the heaviness of your heart tonight. 
God understands the sorrow that you're facing tonight. God understands every bit of your anxiety. Jesus understands every bit of your worry and your concern. And I've come to deliver a message from the throne of heaven tonight. Take your hands off of it and just begin to trust God. Let go and let God have his way. Let God do exactly what it is that he wants to do in your life. Just trust. Don't give up. But just trust in the hand of the Lord. It, it is some people's most hated scripture. Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for the good of them that love God and are called according to his purpose. How many of you have been going through something and you go to somebody and you say, man, I really need your advice. And they say, well, we know that all things work together for the good to them that love God. That's, that's not always what we want to hear in that situation. What we want to hear is either, one, we want somebody to justify our worrying and our anxiety and, and our pity party and whatever else it is that we're going through. But we also want someone to tell us that, that God is just going to come in. He's going to swoop in. He's going to pick you up. He's not going to allow you to go through this any longer. He's not going to allow you to go through what you're going through. And when we hear somebody say, instead, all things work together for the good, we, we don't want to hear that. We, we want an answer. We want, but God says, you don't always need the answer. You don't always, because there are some revelations of God that can only be figured out by going through something and letting him take care of every detail. There, there are some aspects of God's divine nature and divine personality and who God is that can only be discovered by going through rather than being delivered. I know that many of us know him as a deliverer, but how many of us know him as a sustainer? How many of, of us know him as the God who can give us strength to make it through when we wanted him to take us out? How many of us know, we know him in the glory of his resurrection, but how many of us want to know him in the very depth, in the very, in the very fellowship of his sufferings? But that's how he wants to know us. And so God will allow us to go through things in the effort to give us a greater revelation of himself at the end of it. It's not the scripture we want to hear, but it's the scripture we need to hear. All things truly are working for our good. For the first century church, and for many in the global church worldwide today, persecution was not an anomaly. We, we, heard, we hear about a church, you know, getting shot up or something like that, and that happens in the United States. I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy. It's insane. It's unimaginable. It's unfathomable to us. Yet there are churches in the Middle East that, it's rare if something like that doesn't happen on a given day. And so because the North American church is so used to our comfort and we're so used to the ease in which we have it, whenever we start to go through something, we immediately think it's a sign that God is not favoring us. We immediately think it's a sign that God has taken his hand off of our lives. 
But I want to submit to you tonight that if you're going through a situation, it's because God is using it to mold you and shape you into the person he has called you to be so that you can walk into your destiny. You see, God doesn't doesn't just make the best of your bad situation. He'll actually ordain what you perceive to be a bad situation in order to shape you into who he wants you to be. We say, well, I'm going through hard times. I must not be in the will of God. Let me talk to you a little bit about the will of God. It was the will of God for Jacob to be a vagabond on the run from his brothers. It was the will of God for Joseph to be sold into slavery, imprisoned based on false accusations, and and stuck in Egypt. It was the will of God for Moses to be chased out of Egypt in the palace and to spend 40 years on the backside of a desert where he felt like he was all alone and so far from the promises that God had made in his life. It was the will of God for David to be chased out of the king's house to a point where he had to dwell in a cave, though he was the anointed king. I could go on and on and on. But in each of these situations, it was God that got the final word. You see, when you're called to be a king, don't complain about having to face a giant. Because if you've got to face a giant, then that just is a proof of your calling. Because without the giant, people will never know how mighty the God that is in you is. Without the trial that's your situation, nobody from the world is going to be able to follow you. Because if you don't go through something, and they don't see you go through what you've been through, and come out on the other side, and be able to say, if it had not been for the Lord who was on my side. If if you can't go through a situation and say, if it hadn't been for Jesus, I wouldn't be standing here today. Then you will have no ministry. If you want a ministry, if you want an anointing, if you want God to use you, then you've got to embrace the things that God is sending you through. If you want God to use you, you've got to embrace what it is you're going through. Isaiah 45 verses 3 through 7 says this. And I will give thee the treasures of darkness and riches of secret places. That thou mayest know that I, the Lord, which called thee by name, am the God of Israel. For Jacob, my servant's sake, and Israel, mine elect, I have even called thee by name. I have surnamed thee, though thou hast not known me. I am the Lord, and there is none else. There is no God beside me. I girded thee, though thou hast not known me, that they may know from the rising of the sun and of the west that there is none beside me. I am the Lord, and there is none else. I form the light and create darkness. I make peace and create evil. I, the Lord, do all these things. In the context, of Scripture is talking about the king who is going to come and set Israel on the path to freedom from Babylon by capturing Babylon. But also every word of Scripture was written for us, for our examples. And just like God sends a conquering army that will eventually work out Israel's deliverance, God allows things to come into our life because he is not just some cosmic force uninterested in the affairs of humanity, but because he is the author and he is the finisher of our faith. And so God will allow conquering armies to come into our life and and to put a thorn in our nest and to mess with us a little bit and to make us a little bit uncomfortable because God is trying to move you and move me and move us into a place 
where we can receive what it is that God wants to do in our life. Look, look, look at the language that the scripture uses. I will give you the treasures of darkness. The treasures of darkness and the hidden riches of secret places. There are some spiritual riches. There are some treasures that you and I can only obtain in the darkness and in the secret places. I'm talking about a prayer life where we really truly know the voice of God. I'm talking about the ability to worship and praise and instantly be ushered into the cloud of God's glory. I'm talking about a steadfast trust in God that can only come because you've found out that the treasure of the dark place is the God who was waiting for you to wrap his arms around you and to carry you through your darkness. When you can only find out that that secret place that you went into, that you were a little nervous about and you were a little scared about, brought you to the secret place of the Most High where you learned to abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I'm preaching to somebody today that the darkness that you're walking through has a treasure in it. And that treasure is an understanding of God who is there for you in your light but he's also there for you in your darkness. He's there for you in your peace but he's also there for you in your calamity. He's there in your good times but he's also the God of the bad times. He's your way maker. He's your redeemer. He's your deliverer and he's also your sustainer and your strength and your friend and everything that you need to make it through. We need to just take comfort in the fact that God is sovereign. There is nobody else. There is none beside him. There is none after him. He is God all by himself, and nobody matches his power. There is none like him. And if you're going through something tonight, I want to tell you, the God that you serve is able, and I will make you a promise that if you hold on to his hand, he is going to bring you out. He is going to deliver you. He is going to make a way where there seems to be no way. I wish I had some help from the church in here tonight, because I'm telling you that God is on your side. He is on your side. Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 7 through 8 says, Blessed is the man that trusts in the Lord and whose hope the Lord is. For he shall be as a tree planted by the waters and that spreadeth out her roots by the river and shall not see when heat cometh, but her leaves shall be green. That means she'll be prosperous and shall not be careful in the year of drought. Neither shall cease from yielding fruit. I don't know about you, but that's what I want God to say about me. I want God to say that his leaf is green. In other words, I want God to say that he is fruitful. I want God to say that that he doesn't have to worry about the hard times, that he doesn't have to worry about the drought because he is like a tree that is planted by the waters. That's what I want God to say about my life. You see, the devil desires to discourage you through situation and circumstance. But if you'll just hold on to the hand of God, I promise you tonight, he's going to make a way. Just trust in the Lord. Just whatever you're going through, just trust in the Lord. Musicians can come. I'm almost done. A few more scriptures I want to work through tonight. James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. James is writing to the church and he says, My brethren, count it all joy. Isn't that unusual? He says, count it joy when you fall into diverse temptations. That's hard to do. 
How can we count it joy? Because we know this, verse 3, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. You ever had anybody tell you don't pray for patience? But let. Don't try to take matters in your own hands. Let patience have her perfect work. Her perfect work. That she may be perfect and entire. That means mature. Wanting nothing. You're provided for. I think it's interesting in the scripture that patience is a feminine word. Let patience have her perfect work. It's, it's written like that because in the Greek it's, it's the feminine. And I think that maybe God ordained it that way because the feminine is that which is able to bear fruit. Able to bear children and bring them to terms. Let patience have her perfect work. Just wait on the Lord. For they that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. If we stop trying to circumvent the process that God is trying to bring us through and we let patience, God's got this. Hey, I'm, I'm worrying. I'm, I'm trying to take matters into my own hands. I'm trying to get everything figured out. Let me just step back a moment and say, God, maybe I haven't invited you into my situation yet. Lord, take control. I'm broken before you. I've got nothing else. i got nowhere else to go. You are my first and my last resort. God is going to grow fruit in our life. Romans chapter 8, verses 35 through 38 says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. And Paul says it like this, For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. This verse is about predestination. You see, there, there are some religious groups that, that took that term and they, they used it to teach that, well, some people are predestined to be saved and some people are predestined to be lost and there's nothing we can do about it. That's, that's not what the term predestination means in the Bible. But it comes from Romans chapter 8. And the conclusion that Paul makes is nothing shall separate me from the love of, you know what he's talking, from the love of Christ. You know what he's talking about? He's talking about two groups. There's the church and there's the world. There's those that trust in the Lord and there's those that don't believe. Maybe some over here in this category have lost their faith. They once were trusting in God. They once were believing, but they didn't let patience have her perfect work and they let go of the hand of God. They jumped out of the hand of God. But Paul says of these two groups, each of them are predestined. What that means is God has already decided that the church is going to go on to glory. God has already decided that the world is going to be lost. The world is going to burn up. Everything that's in it is going to perish and pass away. But the church is going to go on to glory. 
The church is going to go on to eternity. The church is going to go on to victory. I've already read the back of the book, and it says that we already overcame the world. We've already overcome the devil by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. That is the destination of the church. And you and I have to make a decision tonight. Am I going to be a part of the group that's going to perish in the fire? Am I going to be a part of the group that passes away? Or am I going to stay in the church triumphant? Am I going to hang on to the hand of God? Even when I'm going through a trial, even when I'm going through a circumstance am I going to hang on to Jesus because I know that he'll make a way maybe tonight I've been speaking to you I'm sure the Lord didn't give me this message for no reason but if we could stand all across this house every head bowed and every eye closed I feel the Holy Ghost walking throughout this building tonight there's somebody that's facing a trial there's somebody that's trying to figure out all the answers. You're trying to take matters into your own hands. God has brought this word tonight to remind us that you're already in his hands. Just let go and let God take control of the situation. David said it like this, when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. My brothers and sisters, I want to stand on the rock of my salvation tonight. Why don't we lift our hands if you want to come pray at the front, if you want to kneel at your seats. Why don't we talk to Jesus for a little bit. If, if you're holding on to something, why don't you let go and let God have his way.